So last week in the section that we looked at, James talked about two different kinds of wisdom. He talked about a kind of wisdom where we uh, walk by our flesh and it's an earthly kind of wisdom. It's an unspiritual kind of wisdom. Honestly, he even says it's a demonic kind of wisdom. This kind of wisdom, he said, is characterized by envy and selfish ambition. But the other kind of wisdom that James mentioned comes from heaven. It's one that comes from God. It's a kind of wisdom that he says is characterized by peace-loving and consideration of others. It's full of mercy and it's full of good fruit. And James really said that the difference between living out these two kinds of wisdom is pride and humility. When we walk by pride, of course, we're walking by the power of our own strength. We're walking according to our own thoughts and what we think is right about life. And ultimately, all of those thoughts are being influenced, of course, by Satan, who is using this world to promote kind of a counterfeit wisdom, a godless wisdom in order to really just keep us from experiencing what true wisdom is and to keep us from experiencing the life of Christ that we were meant to experience in us and through us. But James says if we walk in humility by setting our minds on things above rather than on earthly things, then Jesus will guide us by his wisdom and in ways where we find fulfillment and satisfaction in him. He'll guide us in ways that make this world a better place or to use us in ways to make this world a better place because, again, it'll be characterized by peace-loving and consideration of others and it'll be full of mercy and he'll produce fruit in us and through us. And so, again, the difference between living out in these two areas of wisdom or living by one wisdom over the other wisdom is the difference in walking in pride or walking in a spirit of humility he even said in the section we looked at last week that God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble and to humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up he'll lift you up off of the path of worldly wisdom and put you on the path of godly wisdom And this is how James finished this section before we dive into the section we're looking in today. And so you would expect, since he just made a statement about humbling ourselves before the Lord and him lifting us up to walk this godly kind of path and and according to his wisdom and guidance, you really would expect him to give us some examples or dive in a little bit more to this humility and what it looks like to live by godly wisdom. That's not what James does, though. He does the exact opposite as we get into this section, and he basically gives us three different examples of what it looks like to walk in pride. And he gives us three examples of what it looks like to be walking in that earthly or, or guided by that earthly, unspiritual, and demonic wisdom. And this is good for us, though, because honestly, we need to be able to recognize when we're walking in our flesh and not by God's spirit that's living in us if we've put our faith and trust in him for salvation. 
Because really, it can be so easy to become so fixated by the ways of the world and the things that are always right in front of our face that Satan is using and to be thinking that we're walking down the right path of wisdom when we're really walking in this earthly and unspiritual and even demonic wisdom that James has been talking about. And so let's look at this first section and see what uh, James has to say to us in verses 11 and 12. He says, Brothers and sisters, do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against a brother or sister or judges them speaks against the law and judges it. When you judge the law, you are not keeping it, but sitting in judgment on it. There's only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and destroy. But you, who are you, James says, to judge your neighbor? The first example that James gives of what it looks like to walk in pride and by this earthly, fleshly wisdom is slandering other people, which in essence, James says, is judging them and trying to take the place of God. That's reserved for him. The word slander here means to speak against someone. It's critical speech that's damaging to a person's character, oftentimes in order to attempt to push them down a notch or two to raise us up and ourselves to look better a time or two. There was a time when... I'm not very proud of this, obviously, but when I was in my early 20s and well before vocational ministry that I was going to a particular church. I had become really good friends with the children's minister who was on staff. He became kind of like a mentor to me, like a spiritual father to me at the time. And and one day, it just seemed like out of the blue that the church let him go. And I got mad. I got really upset. I got fired up that they had done this to him, to my friend, to someone that had made an impact on my life. And I began to do exactly what James is talking about right here in this section. I was slandering the leadership of the church. I was talking about them behind their backs. I was doing my best to tear them down and to anyone it was who would listen to me about what it was that was going on. And James says, when we do this, we're not keeping the law and we're speaking against it. He's talking about the royal law there. We've already talked about this in an earlier section. James references this in chapter 2, verse 8. Jesus said that the royal law was to love your neighbor as yourself. When we're living by the Spirit, we're going to treat people in ways where we're loving them in the same ways that we love ourselves. That's the way Jesus is going to lead us. And I certainly was not loving my neighbor as myself when I was slandering these church leaders. I was judging them. I was putting myself above them and putting myself in the place of God. Finally, God thankfully got a hold of me and he said Jason why don't you actually go talk to these church leaders and try to gain understanding of what happened instead of just slandering them so I did and I went to them and we had a great 
conversation and I honestly learned some things that I didn't know and I began to gain understanding a little bit more of the reasoning behind the decisions that were made and God used that to humble me he led me to apologize to them and ask for forgiveness for slandering them instead of going to them and just having a conversation around these things and what the Spirit led them to as far as this decision was concerned. I wonder this morning, is there someone that you need to go to and ask forgiveness for this morning for slandering them? If you look at your life and your speech, is the Lord trying to use this passage this morning to reveal to you the times you are walking in this earthly, unspiritual wisdom, and you see slander as a result of that? Slandering someone in your family, maybe it's a neighbor, maybe it's a boss or a co-worker, Maybe it's a church leader. Maybe it's a church member, someone in your Sunday school class. Maybe if you're a kid, it's someone on your football team or your volleyball team or a coach or a teacher. Or maybe the Lord is even trying to get your attention about the way you're slandering people through maybe social media that you don't even really personally know. Quite honestly, I see a lot of that from Christians in the realm of social media, especially in the realm of politics. How many of us, if we scrolled through our feed and noticed our post, would see that we are slandering other people that are of a different political persuasion than us and are people that are created in God's image and that Jesus went to the cross to die for? So maybe this is something that Jesus is wanting to open our eyes to and see, oh wow, I thought I was being led by godly wisdom to call them out and highlight the things that they're doing, which may go against God's ways, but maybe what I'm actually doing is slandering them and walking by earthly, unspiritual, and even demonic wisdom in those moments. And we need to go back and clean our social media feed up a little bit begin to trust Jesus to lead us in different ways James says you cannot love your neighbor and speak slander against them speaking slander is the way of worldly wisdom under the influence of Satan and this will show us when we see it that we're walking in our flesh but when we're walking in humility by turning our attention to his wisdom God's wisdom and his ways He's going to lead us to speak in ways that are peace-loving, ways where we're being considerate of other people, seeking to gain understanding, and speaking the truth in love. Two key words to add on to when we feel led to speak the truth to other people or to them through social media. Let's look at what James says in this next section, beginning in verses 13 and going through 17. He gives us another example of what it looks like to walk in pride. 
He says, now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow, we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why, you don't even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them, James says. What James is talking about here is how walking in pride leads us to arrogantly plan everything out in our lives to determine our future. (laughs) I've had people, and you know the same people, maybe you're one of them or used to be one of them, who will tell you that they've got their entire lives pretty much planned out, and this is how it's going to go, right? I'm going to get married by the time I'm 25. I'm going to have three kids and run my own business from home. I'm going to live in this house with a white picket fence and two dogs and a cat, and my kids are going to go to these kind of schools, and they're going to grow up to be these kind of people and do these kinds of things. I've had other people that have come up and said I'm going to have this degree by the time I'm this age and I'm going to get a job in this field I'm going to make this much money and by the time I'm this age then I'll finally settle down and find a spouse and have a family and live again in this kind of house or drive this kind of car and the latest and greatest toys and all the above and these are examples of boasting in arrogant and pretentious planning It's pride. It's saying that I know what is best for me. I am the Lord of my life. I decide and I determine where I go and what I do and how I do it. This is earthly wisdom. Again, inspired and influenced by Satan. Why? To keep you from God's great plan for your life how he created you to live and function, how he wants you to fit into and be a part of what it is that he's doing in this world that lines up with his kingdom work. And so James says, instead, in verse 15, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this, or we will live and do that. Now, to be clear, James is not talking about never making plans in our lives. Scripture tells us all over the place that planning and saving and thinking ahead is a wise way to live, especially if you go back and look at the book of Proverbs and places like that. Here, as a matter of fact, is the way that Douglas Moo in his commentary on James describes what James is talking about here. He says, James is not rebuking these merchants for the plans or even for their desire to make a profit. He rebukes them rather for this worldly self-confidence that they exhibit in pursuing these goals. And he says we should guard here against another kind of misinterpretation, the idea that James is forbidding Christians from all forms of planning or of concern for the future. Taking out life insurance and saving for retirement, for instance, are not condemned by James. These may very well be a form of wise stewardship. What James rebukes here, as verse 16 makes clear, is any kind of planning for the future that stems from human arrogance in our ability to determine the course of 
future events. In other words, we don't make plans based on our own wisdom. What we think is going to make us happy or provide fulfillment for us, provide satisfaction, what's going to be best for me or my family. We don't do it to provide for our own security or in ways where we're not depending upon Jesus. Instead, we make ourselves available to Jesus. We allow him to be the Lord that he is instead of us trying to be our own Lord. We cling to him, we depend on him since we're in union with him and one spirit with him and we depend on him to be the source of our lives. And so James says when we know the good that we ought to do and we don't do it, then we sin. When we know that God has a plan for our lives and the way that he wants to guide us into that plan and those good works that he planned in advance for us to do, as he tells us in Ephesians 2.10, and we don't do them, then we sin. It's easy for us to think that sin is just the bad things that we do, but sin is when we know what God is leading us to do and wants to do in us and through us, and we say, no, I know what's best for me, and that's not it. I'm going to walk in my own flesh and do what I want to do. And so James says in these first two sections that when we're walking in pride, when we're walking in this earthly and spiritual and demonic wisdom, it will or can result in us speaking slander against other people, and it can and will lead to us wanting to make our own plans, be our own guide for this life, and to pursue our own fulfillment and satisfaction in life. James gives us one more example of what it looks like to walk in pride, though, before he finishes this section out and basically says that when we're walking in the way of fleshly, earthly wisdom, that that can result in trusting in riches and, honestly, the mistreatment of others with those riches. Look what he says in chapter 5, beginning in verse 1. Now, Listen, you rich people, weep and wail because of the misery that is coming on you. Your wealth has rotted and moths have eaten your clothes. Your gold and silver are corroded. Their corrosion will testify against you and eat your flesh like fire. You have hoarded wealth in the last days. Look, the wages you failed to pay the workers who mowed your fields are crying out against you. The cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Almighty. You have lived on earth in luxury and self-indulgence. You have fattened yourselves in the day of slaughter. You have condemned and murdered the innocent one who was not opposing you. When we live in pride, when we walk by this earthly, unspiritual wisdom, we can easily become convinced that our money will provide for our own satisfaction, for our fulfillment, and our security. And James kind of pulls back the curtain here and shows us four things that are going on when we trust in our money and we're living by this earthly wisdom. The first thing is that, he, James says, is your money will do nothing for you in the scope of eternity in verses 2 and 3. 
In those verses, he's saying it doesn't do any good for us to hoard money. We can't take our money with us when we die. It's going to stay here on the earth. And all the security that you and I built up on our hopes and dreams and what this money would do for us will not be available to us in eternity. And again, James isn't talking about not saving. Godly wisdom says to save and to be prepared for things that happen in your life. The difference is hoarding for personal fulfillment and for security and money over God. The second thing James says in verse 4, and we see this there, is that when we trust in money, it can cause us and lead us to mistreat others. James talked about how these rich landowners at the time um, held on to their own wealth that they were making instead of paying their workers. Their were a lot of day workers, especially in this day and age, that worked for these rich landowners. And if those day workers didn't get paid, then they and their families didn't eat. But when you're trusting in money, you don't really care what it does to other people because you need to hold on to it as long as you can, regardless of however it is that it's affecting other people because you need it in your life to provide that security and that fulfillment and satisfaction to, to bring you life in some way that you feel like you are missing. The third thing that James says here, and we see this in verse 5, is that trusting in money leads to self-indulgence instead of helping others. In verse 5, James says, You have lived on earth in luxury and self-indulgence. Pride and earthly wisdom will tell us that happiness and satisfaction are found in stuff. And so we indulge ourselves in stuff and more stuff and more stuff to try and find temporary satisfaction. We're looking for long-term satisfaction but the best it can do is temporary satisfaction of course that's why we constantly have to keep indulging ourselves because the stuff that we have indulged in always succumbs to the law of diminishing returns <laughs> we have to go to more and indulge in more and more so walking in pride and by earthly wisdom will lead us to self-indulge, but walking by the Spirit and the wisdom from above will lead us to use the money that God provides for us to be a blessing and a benefit to other people, to serve the poor, to serve the needy, to use our money to be used in His kingdom work in the church and all around the world. The final thing that James says, and we see this in verse 6, is that trusting in money can lead to injustice in the lives of others. James says that these rich people condemned and murdered innocent people. Now, I doubt very seriously that James meant they physically and actually murdered someone most likely what he means is that they were depriving them, again, of what was rightfully theirs, and it led to their demise. 
in one of the apocryphal books, it even says to take away a neighbor's living is to murder him. To deprive an employee of his wages is to shed blood. The rich were cheating the poor out of their land at the time and also robbing them of their wages or ability to make a living for themselves or their family. The same thing can be true of our lives today. The more we walk in earthly wisdom and trust in money, the more and more it causes us to need more of it, even if it means at the expense of other people. So James is showing us in this section about money and how that is not the way of godly wisdom to trust in it. If we're walking in humility and trusting in Christ and his wisdom to lead our lives, he will always provide for us. He will be our security. He will be our satisfaction. And he will lead us to use his money that he's provided for us to bless others and to be a part of his kingdom work in this world. And so again, overall, through these three sections we looked at today, James has given us each some things to look for in our own lives that are kind of indicators of ways that we will know when we're walking in our flesh and trusting in our own strength and power, looking for earthly, unspiritual wisdom, or whether we're looking and trusting and depending on Christ's wisdom that dwells within us in our union with Him. He will know that we're walking by this worldly, unspiritual wisdom that is influenced by Satan if we see that we're using our speech to slander other people, if we see that we're trusting in our own plans for life, if we're trusting in our own self-confidence and arrogant ability to determine our future, and if we see that we're trusting in money to be our security or overindulging ourselves with money and with the stuff that money can buy. If we see these things, then we'll know we're walking in that earthly wisdom that we're walking in pride in a self-sufficient manner. But if, again, through humility, we trust in the wisdom that we have in Christ, we're not going to see slander coming out of our mouths, but we're going to see speech that builds up. We're going to see speech that encourages other people, that speaks the truth in love and shows that we're loving our neighbor as ourselves. We'll see that we're praying for God's plans for our future and our lives for his guidance in all areas of our lives at home and work and school and social circles recreation and everything when we're walking by his wisdom we're walking in dependence on Jesus and where he's leading us in the future in all areas of our lives there is no secular and spiritual divide we are in union with Jesus therefore every activity that we enter into is spiritual if we're trusting and walking by the spirit and finally we'll see the opposite of what we saw in verse 6 we're not going to overindulge ourselves with money but we're going to see that he's leading us in ways to bless other people with our resources and to be a part of his kingdom work in this world that's when we'll know that we're trusting in Jesus and who we are in him and the way that he's leading and guiding us in life. 
And so again, as we wrap up today, maybe there is someone that the Lord is leading you to apologize to today because he's revealed to you that you have been slandering them. Maybe there's an area of your life that you need to turn over to Jesus for your future instead of trusting, trusting in your own plans that you've been making and that you've been using to try to determine the direction, the course of your life and what you thought was best for you or what you thought was best for your family rather than what, or depending on what the Lord says is best for you or your family. Or finally, maybe you need to allow Jesus to use your money that he's blessed you with to be a blessing to others and to invest it in his kingdom work in this world. May we all be open to what the Lord has revealed to us today and how he's leading us to respond in this moment. Let's pray.